Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. All right. Mercy. What kind of church is this? I'm scared. I don't know. <laughs> nope, that's about it. That's fine. <laughs> hey, hey I, I was looking at you because I was going to say it's good to see you. And I hadn't seen you, so don't want to lie about it. <laughs> yeah, you, look, you look pretty good. A few major exceptions, but fine, you look, you look really good. Thank you for letting us come. It's a blessing to be where you're invited. I like to go where I'm invited. <laughs> Somebody asked, well, how, how, how do you get, I, I, I said, I just have one rule. I don't, <laughs> I don't go where I'm not invited. And so I'm invited here and it's a pleasure. Frida, come. Frida, walk up and uh, uh, open your mouth and talk about your book. Frida. Frida is, Frida is my third wife. I love to say that in a crowd. People say, what happened to the other two? Well, the Lord took them home. My first wife and I lived together for 47 and a half years. And, and she was healed in our final year. And it was a wonderful home going. And uh, I, I went right to work after that because we had done our grieving and goodbyes. And uh, I, had, I had no grief, just praises as I held her in my arms when she breathed her last three breaths. And, and uh, I, I never hoped to have another joy that deep and a, a, a time with God that sweet and precious. But, I uh, told God in a few days, I said, Lord, I'm, a, I'm alone. Last time I checked, you thought it not a good thing that man be alone. <laughs> and uh, I began to be open. You know, women grieve, men marry. That's <laughs> kind of the way it goes. And uh, so I... Uh, I contacted, I was in contact with a dear sweet lady who was on my staff at Castle Hills years ago. And uh, we fell in love and married. And uh, we found her with cancer during the engagement. And we didn't give it a thought, not getting married, we did. I took her to, to uh, Reading and we prayed over her. And, and uh, they said uh, she will uh, live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And she did live. And she traveled with me. In fact, I was sick enough to miss a service. She wasn't sick enough to miss a service. She made that one. And yet, God chose to take her in 22 months. Now, I grieved over that. And so, in my grief, I said, Lord, here I am again, and I'm rather grieved about it. And uh, I would... Uh, 
I would like to know what you're going to do about what you, you said. You say it's not good for man to be alone. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you the best woman in the world. I think I added the next one to protect you. Uh, uh, for you. Now, if you don't think your wife's the best woman in the world, we need to talk, okay? <laughs> so you just look at her and say, yeah, right. I just won you 14 points right there. <laughs> and by the way, for what I did for them, I charge now. So for a price, I can say something over you. <laughs> Kidding. So I, I really want Frida to tell her just a bit about it. Because I, uh, I said, okay. I don't remember being sad, mad, or glad. I just said, I believe God. You've been pretty good to me and never lied to me. And so I'll just, I'll just nonchalantly look around. And uh, so we were in a service. Uh, Word, Spirit, Power Team, um, Florence, Alabama. And I knew Frida was in the service. I had met her, and we'd had connections with Leif, her boss. And uh, I thought maybe I ought to go back and ask her if we could get together that week. And so I nonchalantly sauntered back to where she was. I don't know whether you understand a saunter or not, but it, it's a sort of a purposely deceptive you know, it's sort of... <laughs> and uh, so I went back and I said, uh, could we get together, you think, this week? Tell them what you were thinking when I did that. I was not thinking at all. That night, it was opening night of the Word Spirit Power Conference. And it was during the worship. And I was just with my hands lifted high and just praising God. And then I opened my eyes, just gazing. And as I'm gazing, I see some of the movement up in the front. And so I looked down, and it was Jack. And he turned around as he takes one step up the aisle. I hear a little voice in, my, in the back of my head. If he comes and asks you to marry him, you will say yes. <laughs> now you have to know one thing. At that point, I was a widow for 11 years. And when my late husband had passed away of cancer, I said, I will never get married again. That should tell us, never say never. God can override your never, so you might as well give that up for land. <laughs> and so he comes up to me, and I'm trying to figure out where is this coming from, that thought. And so in the meanwhile, Jack has caught up with me and standing in front of me and says, will it be okay if we get together sometime next week? Because this was Saturday night. And so I said, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out, process what I heard. So he turns around, goes back to the front. As he walks back to the front, I hear again, he is the one I am answering your prayer. 
wait a minute, I didn't buy for a husband. So what is going on here? Then the next thing I hear, remember Mozambique. Okay, Mozambique, Mozambique, what about Mozambique? Oh, 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 but, but, but I didn't mean that. <laughs> See what had happened uh, when I was on my second uh, trip to Mozambique. Um, I was introduced to two pastors from Ron Phillips Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is now the Abbas House. And um, one of the pastors, as I was introduced to them, one of them said, um, by the way, uh, let's, before we get on that airplane, let's make sure everybody will take care of their own luggage. Huh, I didn't think of anything. So... I'm sitting in that plane, 18-hour non-stop flight to Johannesburg from Atlanta. And that remark comes back to me. And I thought, wait a minute. He would not have been able to say that if I would have had an earthly husband with me. Because I don't think one pastor will tell another pastor, if you need help with your luggage, I will not help you. You're on your own. I said, he said that because I was a woman. I'm a woman. And at that point, I was married, yes. But I was married to Jesus. I was marinated with Jesus. I was laminated to Jesus. I was in love with Jesus. I had a passion for Jesus. He had become my husband. You know, in Isaiah 55, 4, it says, your husband, your, your uh, maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And he had become my husband at that time. So anyway, I said, okay. I said, okay, Lord, if there's anybody out there like you with skin on. <laughs> now that's a tall order. <laughs> so you can tell I really didn't want to get married to an earthly man. <laughs> I said, that will have a passion for you, that will not distract me from my passion for you, and I will not be a distraction to his passion for you. Lots of passion going on. <laughs> and that's what Jesus loves. He wants us to be passionate for him. Okay. And so I said, and he will want to go travel. He will want to go on mission trip and enjoy traveling. I said, if there's anybody out there like that, then you may bring him my way. But if not, all I want is you. That was two years prior to that night. Never thought about that again. Then two years later, he says, remember Mozambique? Oh, okay. I mean, God, he wants to have fun with us. He enjoys it when he can just surprise us. And... Um, so then we um, met Monday at lunchtime. I didn't even go Sunday morning. So we met Monday at lunchtime for 30 minutes. Monday evening, Jack invited me to have a dinner with the church that had put on dinner for the speakers. And I felt so out of place. There was Jack Taylor, there was Dr. R.T. Kendall, and Charles Carlin, and all the pastors around the region. See, I was brought up Catholic. And we put the, pri the priest up on a pedestal. 
So we, I was not, uh, uh, we didn't hang out with a pastor. We didn't hang out with a priest, okay? <laughs> and so now I'm supposed to be in their company. And I felt very uncomfortable. But I went. So Tuesday, we had lunch together again. Tuesday evening, we had dinner at the, at, um, at Ruby Tuesday restaurant. It was a good restaurant in that town. <laughs> So we had a dinner there, and he proposed. He asked me to marry him, and I said yes. <laughs> See, God had already told me what to do, so I didn't need to say, well, let me pray about this one. <laughs> so, and then we got married about, um, that was in October, and we got married in December, so two months later. And we are still married. Wow. has a good sense of humor. Hey. I, I had not intended to get married, but I love it. I love marriage. I love being married to this man. To me, he is really the closest thing to God. I'm one happy man. <laughs> Frida's not from uh, South Texas, you know. And uh, I wanted to just say a word about this book after I say a word about it. We talked her quickly into writing this book. She lived in Hitler's Germany. She was born a year before Hitler died and grew up in no, what don't, he, don't what? say that. Now they start doing their math. Okay, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> she just turned 75. What are you talking about? You don't look a day over 40, my Lord. I'd be uh, glad to. You shall too. not lie in the, li in the house of the <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and she knew about Hitler. And she has written a book entitled One Woman's Adventure. That's a, a pre-title. From Hitler's Germany to the Cross of Christ and Beyond. And uh, you cannot lay it down, I'll tell you. My daughter-in-law uh, picked it up. Her husband is uh, my son and uh, the publisher of the book. And she took it to bed with her and could not sleep until she finished it. I challenge you to get it uh, and get them all. I have a few more at the, uh, at the room, so pick it up. Frida, say just a sentence about it, and then lead us in the, uh, in the, uh, the, 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 chirp, the, the prayer, numbers, you know, the I, I one know. back there in the... Oh. Okay, I, I know. See, when you are married for a while, you get to read their mind. <laughs> so, and finish the sentences. Um, anyway. My father did not want me, and he did not make any bones about it. He told me he didn't want me, he wanted, didn't want a girl, he wanted a boy. And I was a very big disappointment to him because of that. And he did let me know all the years that I was growing up. And then um, he said, the day you are 21, which was the legal age, he said, the day you are 21, you will get out of this house. And um, so I tried everything I could to get out before then, so I would not give him the pleasure to throw me out. And uh, I started to run away several times. But what does the Bible say? What do the Gentiles worry about? What do the Gentiles do? What will I eat? Where will I sleep? And what will I wear? And so that's why I never left home. Besides that, I figured if I have to come back home, if I come back home and ask to be 
get back in, I think my dad would have killed me. That's the way I felt about him. And so um, I hung around. Anyway, um, I applied for a job, and that got me out of town. That got me away from, then, uh, from home. Now, I don't want to be disrespectful, okay? But I had no love for my father either. I was afraid of him. I respected him because he was my father, but the reason I respected him because I feared he would kill me if I didn't. He was Hitler's Waffen-SS. He was part of the Waffen-SS under Hitler. And he was indoctrinated. He basically, I think he had the mind of Hitler instead of the mind of Christ. Um, all of us, I had uh, siblings as well. We all were afraid of him. And um, he wound up taking his own life eventually. And uh, when I got the uh, letter, I was here in the States already, and when I got the letter that um, my father, they found him. And um, I wept, but not because of sorrow that my father died. I wept because I would never be able to hear the words, I love you from him. I always had that secret hope to hear from him, I love you. You're my daughter, and I'm pleased with you. So, and that's why I wept, because that hope was gone for me now. And um, so I was very angry at my father for a long time. Then I was at a service, and the Lord prompted me, says, you need to forgive him. I said, I have nothing to forgive him. He's the one that wronged me. I didn't do anything to him. And by the way, I can't forgive him anymore. He's not living anymore, so there's no sense me. How am I supposed to forgive him? Yes, you need to forgive your father because if you, you, until you forgive him, you are imprisoned. Unforgiveness keeps you in prison. And I cannot do anything for you because unless you forgive, then I will, you want me to forgive, but I forgive you only if you forgive only. Forgive others as you want me to forgive you, right? So it, it took me about three hours. I sobbed and I fought forgiving. I really fought it. But after about three hours of sobbing, I finally said, okay, Father, Dad, I forgive you. And I became free. I mean, I meant that, and I became free because how do I know that I truly forgave? And I always say, if there's anyone in this house, if you want to know, some of them say, well, I thought I have forgiven, but... Um, yeah, well, but how you know you, you really forgive, I always say, put that person, let them come in right in front of your face and watch your reaction. Can you embrace them? Can you tell them, I love you? Can you tell them, I want you to be blessed? I'm going to ask the Father to release a blessing over you. If you can do that, then you know you have forgiven that person. But if you cannot do that, then you may want to Get that inner checker and find out and make sure. Let me, Lord, help me to com completely forgive. Amen. 
So tonight is a night for you to forgive so that you can walk in total freedom. And only then can you receive what the Lord has for you. Many times when we minister to people, they stand there like a statue and nothing is happening. Now the power of the Holy Spirit will come in. And God has power. But if you stand like a statue, in many cases, then I start asking, is there anything that anybody that you may have to forgive? In most cases, yes. Only then can you receive everything that God has for you. Freedom, joy, peace, you know, and be the fruit bearer of all of his. So, and Jack wants me to stop. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot more in this book. I would suggest you go ahead and get it. There are miracles that God worked after that, miracles galore. And that's what he wants us to be representing him. He is the miracle maker. Amen. So, but in the meanwhile, thank you, in the meanwhile... Before I go down these steps, I would like to release a blessing over you. And it's the, the ironic blessing. And I want to release that over you in my native language. And it is the word of God. So I would like for you to receive it. Because that's what God wants. It comes from the heart of God. His own words. So with that, I ask you to receive. The Herr segne. Und behüte dich. Der Herr leuchte sein Angesicht über dich und sei dir gnädig. Der Herr erhebe sein Angesicht über dich und gebe dir Frieden. God understands German. He's already done it. It is palpable if you'll receive it. And here it is. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and show you favor. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And uh, most of the time it takes a, I'll take it, uh, thank you, Lord, and just much oblige, you know? Just give him praise for a minute. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you. I really don't know how to describe my mood tonight. I have been on a 62 or three day uh, tour. Um, really started uh, here early in the year, first meeting here, and uh, I, uh, Jay and I went over to 281 and drove for four or five hours straight up to near where I preached my first sermon as a pastor in a church there in the area that I went by later. And uh, it was, you're going to laugh when I tell you the name of it. It was New Hope Baptist Church number three. <laughs> now, let me explain that. There were three others, or had been. One of them had died. The other was dying. Mine was dying more slowly than the other one. So they named it number three. And... Uh, we went by there, and then uh, we were apart just before that of a, of the, uh, a time with uh, some old folks, uh, five others and myself. They called us patriarchs, and they wanted us to meet with others and, and ask questions of us. We were about 500 years old. We were uh, 
We had been in ministry about 400 years, and uh, so we asked and answered questions. And that was such a moving experience, many tears, many wonderful, precious, powerful memories. And then went to Abilene, Texas, where we had our greatest Word Spirit Power Conference, uh, this time without uh, RT, but RT still is a part of the team, but with Leif Hetland. Leif is a son of mine, 20, um, 20 some years ago, well, 19 years ago. We called a meeting, uh, Charles Karen and I, many of you heard Charles, he's the most powerful man I know in the, in the world as far as ministering to people one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, he and I called a meeting and uh, would uh, hang out our shingle to perhaps uh, father sons. And uh, I had a leaning, even when I was here uh, in San Antonio, of being a first responder when a pastor fell or when there was great disappointment in his life. And I, I just uh, had a penchant for that and developed a father's love. And uh, we, uh, we were expecting 25 or 30, maybe 40, maybe as many as 45 or 50. Uh, and when we called the meeting, I looked in the crowd and there was 120. And I've been fathering sons ever since. Uh, I would not uh, sell this privilege for all the money you could stack in this room. I cannot tell you how I feel about the centrality of fatherhood. I have a nephew, by the way, who's written a book is back there, uh, who is also my son in the faith, as well as a biological nephew. And uh, he found God as Father before he went to church. He got saved and found God as Father, and it altered his life. He's in the process of writing a book. I can tell you that years ago, we had a Jesus movement. It was wonderful, it was powerful, there were many strange things that went on, and out of it came a lot of tragedies, but it was a glorious blessing to the kingdom of God. And then there came the, uh, then there came the Spirit movement, and people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and weird stuff began to happen, and that always happens. He's the weird member of the Trinity, you know. And, uh, and uh, so we had the Spirit movement. There arose a group of people who were telling us, we need a trinity, we need something to complete this movement, and it's time for the Father to be recognized. If God had wanted something besides a family, he would have, called us some, he would have had us call him something besides a father. Are you with me? And so it is the day for fatherhood. Thomas Smale, a charismatic in the 80s, wrote a book on the forgotten father. In that book, he warned the charismatic movement of a coming of darkness if we did not find a father. Many of you have father issues that will not be settled until you have a love affair with the God whose son died for you and realize that that love transcends all the problems you have ever had or ever will have. So we're having right now the early stages of the father movement. And let me tell you what will happen when that has taken root and it is taking root and it is happen, happening rapidly. I cannot tell you. I am dizzied by how rapidly God is joining people together. Fathers are joiners. 
families are developed by fathers. This is not to say uh, anything to disparage women, but it takes a man and a woman to make a son. And listen, the father has a place in this thing of ours. And when he makes that place and we search him out and do what he says, it is going to operate rapidly. I, I can't, I had a dream. I went, I tried to take a nap. My age, you take all the things you can get, naps, uh, anything else. And uh, uh, I, I went to sleep this afternoon. I thought I had slept for hours when I woke up. I couldn't, I didn't know where I was. I wasn't sure who I was. All I knew is that I had been with somebody who was happy. I was giddy, absolutely giddy. And what I brought out of it is this. God is about to the place where the world of Christianity is going to recognize him as father so he can act like a father uh, in them and among them. And the next thing on the, on the program of the father is a sweeping, glorious revival greater than any revival that has taken place on this planet. So just, just this warning. Don't, don't expect an organized message because that was blown all to heaven just before I, just before I got I tried to take some of my old messages, but I, I can't do that. I'm aware that I'm talking to individuals, okay? I'm talking to you. I, I'm not, don't, don't put yourself in a crowd and lose yourself in the crowd. I'm talking to you. Okay. And I, I'm aware of that. And I'm saying to you that there is something that can happen you, to you tonight to put you in a new bubble of joy and expectation and override all the unfortunate, toxic feelings you have brought this far in your life. And that excites me. That excites me. I, I mean, I, I feel like I've, I've discovered the cure for cancer. I, I, I wouldn't sell it for, for finding that cure because what is taking place in the world, the devil is having a heyday with the people of God laughing up his sleeve and holding revival back by toxicity in the church. And that's about to end and I'm going to be glad. Get rid of that, you rascal, you get out of here. So I, I, I really want to be calm and collected, and I don't want to yell at you. I want to talk to you, but I'll probably lose it and yell. <laughs> I want to talk to you about what matters. We, we made matter, or what matters, a famous word in our society. No word that I know of has been made any more popular or famous than it matters. Now look at me and let me, let me just talk with you a little bit. Whatever matters to you, really matters, is what can turn you on or turn you off. It will eventually affect your very behavior, your attitude toward people, and every other thing in your life. You right now are living out what you have determined, whether you're conscious of it or not, matters. Things are bothering you that don't matter, but they matter to you, so you need a matterectomy.
And if you let God do it, he'll do it tonight. And I, I just got a sense of God suddenly doing something. And it might happen right here in, before I get through. Just go ahead and have it. Have your fit. And I'll be, I'll be party to it. I'll just give you time to have a fit. But listen, we have learned to not like the words, get over it. Look at me. When I say to you, get over it. I am bragging on you because I believe that you have the capacity to get over it. I've just bragged on you. And if you've been bothered by those words before, I, I want to help you. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised what every one of you in this house today need to get over something. I don't see anybody going, see most people say, yeah. See, don't be offended. But get over it. Okay? Now, what is it you get over? Whatever you're under. Get over it. Your father loves you. He loves you so much that really nothing else really matters about who loves you or likes you. And especially if you don't love yourself. You and God don't agree about you, and you ought to do that. He said, God, I don't understand what that preacher's saying, but I feel like he might, might be right. And you're going to leave here with a burden gone and a new relationship to a God who loves you so much that he gave his only son without another thought to die for you and watched him grow up to 30 and then watched him crucified for you. And you have love problems? Oh, no. Your father loves you. He wants to take you in his arms and love you. So I want to talk to you about what matters most. How many of you are aware that theological values are, are, are not the same? Theological issues. Uh, and, and many times, we take a doctrine and, and we, we form the issues and the uh, matters that are involved in it with opinions of this, this thing up here, uh, your brain, that's about, about, about that size, noticeably smaller in some. And uh, <laughs> just, let's just practice something right now, okay? Just, just fix your hands like this, if you can, just, just like that. Okay, just suppose that size of your brain, whichever you think it is. It just Okay, put it up here. Hey, all your problems, real problems, are not outside that area, but in that area. That little area. And God is ready to invade your brain and to show you what really matters. If you are living with a burden, with a self-loathing, or a hate for somebody else, or a sorrow that cannot be touched, or a grief that cannot be assuaged, something is out of order. 
And when order comes, you will know what matters. Now, what, what really matters? You know what really matters? Who's running this show? You, you don't need to be sorrowful any longer than it takes to remember two little words. God rules. You know what he's going to do about his rule? He's just going to rule. <laughs> like it or not. I, I love to ask little children, what do you do for a living? <laughs> get, you get, I'll write a book someday on answers to the questions. <laughs> you ever ask God what he did for a living? I can tell you what he does for a living. He rules. And he does it right well. He does it so well, you would think from the way he acted, he knew virtually everything. <laughs> now you laugh, but sometimes you act like you don't believe he knows everything because you try to tell him a thing or two. Oh. Well, why don't you just quit it? <laughs> I, I, you know, I have fun with God. I think God's fun until he gets angry, and then you better get where you're going to get because you're about to get it. Uh, I said, God, what do you do for a living? He said, I rule. Can you get over that? No, you can't get over that. But if you'll get into it, you'll get over every other thing that does not agree with God ruling. I, I can quote scriptures uh, all evening, I think. I mean, hey, Psalm 106, um, Psalm 103, 19 will do. The Lord has established his rule, uh, his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Everything here, Lord? Yes. But I depend on your will to bring it under my control. I rule a lot of things I do not control because I give man a will. You just heard some truth in that, and that's going to get you over a lot of stuff, and you may be old like I am. It's not too old to get over it. It's been there a long time. That means absolutely nothing. You can get rid of it in a split second. Okay. What matters? Let me tell you what matters. The most important issue in the universe is what God is doing. What is God doing? He's ruling. <laughs> You're doing good. Man, we are going somewhere. <clears throat> Do you realize? I mean, isn't salvation wonderful? Beans. You don't know this much about salvation, nor do I. Because we have salvation joy blockers and governors, if you please, that, that keep us uh, down and keep us slow. But let me tell you what salvation is. It is mankind fully redeemed and restored to his original intended purpose that God stated in the garden. He said, let's make man. I don't think he said, 
let's make man. No, who was he talking to? Talking to himself. Talking to himself, Jesus was there when the creation was. Talking to himself, Holy Spirit. Talking to himself, Father. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit got this question. Uh, let us, uh, th this agreement, let us create man. One in our image. That means that man was made in his particular look and gait and countenance made to advance the presence of God so that we can say that a redeemed man or woman is God in motion, God being God, and representing God so well that to be there is for God to have been there. Now, if you, if you want that, you can have it. Well, you already have it, but you can't express it until you believe it. It's faith that declares you have it so you can make use of it. Then you can begin to step toward the other seven steps that will wind you right at the door of the living kingdom of God and you can be supplied a lavish entrance into the kingdom of God. And that's Bible. That's the 11th verse of the first chapter of Second Peter. And you ought to look at it. Those steps you take. I believe I have faith. Therefore, I will believe. I will, that because I believe, I will believe that I am, I have virtue. And I am virtuous. I can add to that virtue knowledge, which is knowing something and not being stupid. Let me just ask a question. How many of you have faith? Okay. Okay, good. How many of you have all the faith you need? Well, excuse me, you just believe a lie. God said you had faith. And the fact that you have faith is what you do to add the next thing to your faith. Uh, some, some of you are getting this, and the rest of you are going to get it despite yourself. Just try not to get it. God's going to get you, I'm telling you. And you may roll all over this floor and be a holy roller. <laughs> look at me. Say it with me. I have faith. I have faith. All right, now look. God said, add to your faith. Why didn't he say, add some stuff to your faith? No, God assumed that you had faith. Oh, by the way, a few verses earlier, he had said, God has given us all things, all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Does faith belong to life and godliness? All right. Has he given us faith? How much faith has he given us? He has given us all faith so that God told me some time ago, and I, I, I was stupid like you. And uh, I, I said, God, I don't have enough faith. He said, how do you know you don't have enough faith? I said, well, because I act like I don't have faith. That's it. You act like you don't have faith. Uh, when I was here in Castle Hills, we had an experience. It led us to revival. And, and I began to believe things. And I cut my toe on a July 4th accident out at Canyon Lake. And just sliced a, a slice way back in my foot between my big toe and my next toe. And, and I hurt. I was under assignment to go visit the hospital next day. And, uh, and I was hurting. My left toe 
and my left foot was hurting, and I was walking upstairs, and I was bothered, and and uh, I said, God, I, I, you can heal. And that's a good place to start. I, I believe I had toe faith. I didn't have any heart faith or head faith or brain faith or any other faith. But I believe I had toe faith, and that's why I started. So I said, God, uh, I want you to touch my toe. Prayed at a staff meeting. And uh, we, we just prayed, and, and I went on to my hospital listing uh, another day, and was walking up the stairs, and it didn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. I petted my toe. Didn't hurt. Couldn't make it hurt. Walked up the stairs. Didn't hurt. When I got home, took my shoe off, took my sock off, looked at, looked at my toe, and there were stitches there, but there wasn't a wound. There was a scar. It scarred immediately, and I was healed. And I've been healed a lot of times since. I was healed of asthma. God asked for, he, he said to me these things. He said, I want to heal your asthma. I said, well, that's good news. I was having it right then. <laughs> the cold weather always caused me to have, two things caused asthma to exercise itself. One was, was the cold weather and laughing. Laughing requires a little more oxygen than normal. And when I laughed, I got asthma. So I was having an asthma fit and writing a new book. And... Uh, God said, just said it to my spirit, said, I want to heal you from asthma. I was in the middle of one. And I said, well, good. Hallelujah. Whoopee. God wants to heal me of asthma. And I wasn't healed. And uh, I said, God, I'm, I, I still have asthma. You know. And uh, he said, well, you, you need to believe something else. I said, okay, what? He said, you, you need really to believe I want to. So get into my want to. That's where faith is born. God wants to do this for me. And so and my faith raised a little bit, and uh, I still wasn't healed. I said, he said, okay, you need to believe another thing. You, you need to believe, you need to believe that I can. Oh, I have no, you, you're omni, you're um, omnipotent. You're, you can do anything. And, uh, and uh, I wasn't healed. And I said, okay, God, what now? He said, uh, I want you to believe, I want you to believe I will. Okay, I know you want to, I know you can, I know you will. Do I know that? Okay, I know that. I'll take that leap. Yes. God said, one more. I said, what? He said, I want you to believe that I have healed you. I said, excuse me? I said, when you do, I will. <laughs> Makes sense. And uh, he said, it's not the way it works. Do you remember what he said in Mark? Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Doesn't make any sense to my sense, but that's because my sense doesn't have enough sense to make sense of his sense. So I said, okay, God, I'll play your game. You have. I was so proud I heard myself say it. I marched toward, marched toward the bed that night, having written a chapter or two in my book. And I reached over and grabbed the little, the little, the little breather, the little uh, asthmanephrine thing, and, and God said, whoop, what are you getting that for? 
I said, um, he said, I thought you said I'd hear you. Well, this is just, just in case. So it's not the way it works. Went to bed, left the thing on the dresser, woke up a dozen times, breathing uh, and asthma. I'd know in the morning I'd wake up and have a pain straight through here, all the way to my back, and, uh, and have it all day. I would wake up, and I would be wheezing. And I'd say, <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Didn't make sense to me. Praise the Lord. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Finally, I got a few minutes of rest. Woke up the next morning. Look at me. I've never in these 50-some years, excuse me, 40-some years, had a breath of asthma. <laughs> So maybe you need to walk through those steps. I did not intend to tell that. That slipped in, and that was for three people here tonight, and I want you to do it right now. I believe you, I believe you want to. I believe you can. I believe you will. I believe you have. And walk out of here saying it and live it out, and God rewards exercised faith, and it's faith because it's something you can't believe with your, with your head. You believe it with your heart and your spirit, okay? All right, now that's not the direction I intended to go. But uh, I, I want you to see something. What matters? If you can decide and get your heart and soul and mind and strength stationed on what you know matters, you will never be the same. Listen, I used to get tired of myself, but I, I get renewed every day. I'm getting around to where I am. I don't understand me. I, I, I'm happier than I, it makes sense, and I'm, 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 I, I, I don't bother me as much as I used to. <laughs> I get along with me. And, and you know when it started, really? One day I said to God, God, I, I was feeling real spiritual, and I prayed a spiritual prayer. And so I said, God, I want you to change my mind on every issue on which you and I do not now see eye to eye. Wasn't that a wonderful prayer? Well, I told that just with a pumped-up pride. And, and, uh, and the weirdest things began to happen to me. <laughs> I said, God, what are you doing? What are you? He said, I'm answering your prayer. I said, well, if you'll tell me wh which prayer you're answering, I won't bother you on that one again. <laughs> he said, you asked me to change your mind on every issue on which you and I were not seeing eye to eye. And I won't tell you, he's still doing it. He is still bringing me into alignment. And I love what he's doing. Who's bringing you into whose alignment? Hey, let me talk to you in love. In love. What matters, matters so much that what doesn't matter, doesn't matter at all. Don't let the devil get you in the shallows of matters that don't matter. You got it? Okay. Now, I won't tell you what matters. And don't argue with me. Don't sit there and say, that doesn't ring true. I know, 
I've been there, and let me tell you about it. One week ago, starting at 3 o'clock in the morning, one week ago, I went to sleep. No, I woke up from a sleep into a visitation that went something like this. I did not learn anything new about the kingdom. I was partly asleep and partly awake, not asleep enough, not sleep enough to be unaware, uh, uh, to be totally uh, out, and not awake enough to perceive everything that was going on. And for three solid hours, I went through something that when I got through, I was more sure of what I'm about to tell you than I have ever been in my whole life. So take it at that. What I'm about to tell you may go crosswise to what you've heard, but hang on, and I believe God will change your mind. The first word of the gospel was, repent, change your mind, change the way you think, for the kingdom of God has come. Got it? Repentance has to do with the way we think. And when we're thinking wrongly, it will be so obvious we ought to accept the gift of repentance and change our minds or change the way we think. And God is reordering my thinking every, every day. And I, 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 it's just excited to think, to think. Five people, five percent of the people think. Fifty percent think they think. And a great percentage of them would rather die than think. I mean, somebody else does the thinking for them. No, no, no. He says, he says, you will know the truth. Know the truth. Not flirt with it. Have a full affair with it. <laughs> know the truth. Same word used for, for knowledge of sexual relations. Have a full-blown affair with the truth. Come out pregnant with the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. God is about to free the people of God. It's going to frighten them nearly to death. They're going to start acting free. The people they've criticized for being too excited, they're going to be out exciting. They're going to be more excited than they. So get, get ready to take it, you folks that are... That's the way I've been. I, I, I've just, you know, been, I'm just sort of laid back. But when I get filled with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in my mortal body. I don't know where He lives. I think the last time I checked, He's omnipresent. I think He's in my toe, all the way up in my every body, in my blood, in my brain, in my, in my, in my matter, in my brain, in my, in my joints. He is living in me in all the power He had when He raised Jesus from the dead. Does that do something for you? Woo, woo, woo. That's not the Jack Taylor I know. I'm cool and collected, and yeah, but I'm uh, excited, really excited. And this is what I'm excited about right now. 
getting you excited about what matters and explode that little issue of what really matters into something that fills your mind and leaves no room for the toxicity of self-loathing or doubt or fear or just discomfort. That excites me. That greatly excites me. And here it is. The kingdom of God is what God is about. The rule of God is what's going on in the world. If you don't know that, you have a skewed view of the world. If the news bothers you as you watch it tonight, I, I don't watch it much just for uh, in, being entertained by stupidity. Uh, and uh, I, I, when, I, when I get to letting it bother me, I say, this doesn't matter. What matters is what they're going to wake up one time to find, whether it's Fox or CNN or CBNC or DUNCE or whatever it is. I mean, look, hey, folks, God rules, always has, always will, and he's putting up with a lot of stuff. You knew what I was going to say. In order, at the right perfect time, in his kingdom order, He's going to open the blinds and the light is going to flood in and people are going to awaken and we're going to see millions of people saved overnight in a day all over the world. You ought to buy this book. You ought to buy this book. I don't really care whether you uh, buy it or not. If you, I'll give it to you. I mean, I'll give it to you. I didn't write it to get rich. I would not go through what I went through for 14 months for $10 million again. But I shed my, almost shed my blood. My pacer went off right in the middle of one of those painful times of writing this thing. And I don't know whether you, you know what, when a pacer, well, it's a pacer and a defibrillator. I could not tell a lie and get by with it. This defibrillator is waiting just to go, pop. <laughs> I mean, if I think about telling a story, I get a warning. But that thing went off. Pow! I saw stars and I nearly passed out. And it was over. It saved my life. And uh, uh, I, I went through hell to write this book. The devil doesn't like it. You start reading it, you'll find out why. So here's the deal. I happen to believe, and I believe it with such firmness, I wouldn't even argue about it. I wouldn't even argue about it. I'm so certain of it. That when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these, and, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you know what he meant by that? Are you ready for this? Exactly what he said. <laughs> do you understand? What do you seek? what you've seen enough to want to see more. And the more you see, the more you'll seek. And the more you seek, the more you'll see. And the more you'll seek and want to see more. And you'll never stop. And God will oblige you and fill your dreams with the kingdom, fill your passion with the kingdom, let you see the kingdom in everything that happens, let you judge 
anything that happens to you or anything you feel, anything that's wrong with you or anybody else, he will let you begin to see people through kingdomized thoughts or kingdom eyes. You will be kingdomized as he gets you acquainted with a new realm, which is to the opposite of the realm you live in if you live in yourself or in the world. Two different rules altogether. One, the enemy rules and always will. He rules over everything that's empty and one, one day it'll all be gone and, and he'll be gone with it. He'll be no more. And right now he suspicions that and he is enraged. And he's, he is, uh, uh, people are catching stupidity. I mean, they're just catching insanity like a virus and, and they're going crazy. And any time you join their thinking or make their thinking affect your thinking, you are messing up and giving in to the enemy. And I'm saying that to me. But this is what I'm sure, folks. You're seeking something tonight first. You are. Yes. Maybe money. It may be a problem you're having if you're giving more time to it than you are God. Guess what you're seeking first? What, what are you seeking? Have you tried just saying, God... I don't know what I'm seeking, but what I'm seeking, I'm finding, I think, and I don't like what I'm finding because I must be seeking the wrong thing. Oh, by the way, if you're not seeking the kingdom, you've got a real problem. You know how big that problem is? Well, it's idolatry. Anything you have to check with before you say yes to God is an idol. That idol is controlling your life. That may be a person, maybe the way you feel about people. It may be what you think of your past. It may be uh, what uh, has, has happened to you and the enemy has lied so much that you're not the you you could be if that hadn't happened. Well, if the devil's got you there, it's happened. So did I say get over it? Okay, that's it, you see, that's it. Now, this is what I wanted to do. I don't know that I have time. But I will do what I can do. Uh, and uh, I'll have another shot at you. And do I preach in the morning? Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. And all these things will be added to you. Before you know to pray for them, God has heard the prayer. He knows you're going to pray before you pray it. And he will go ahead and answer it. That, that scripture said, And it shall come to pass that before they ask, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. I like prayer like that. That is fast. Pew, pew, done. And what I got this afternoon was that God's fixing to do things fast. Fast. You're going to be healed from your disease rapidly. Fast. Bow. Just like that. You're going to get over your stuff. Just like that. Don't, uh, don't get that out with yourself if you can't do it. First time may take a few seconds. But one of these days, before it happens, before that word is said, that thought is thought, that will have you in the doldrums, God will answer your prayer and you'll be wholly free. Hallelujah.
Okay, so what matters? Okay, hear me. Last words matter. Watch Jesus. Last works matter. Watch Jesus. Okay, now watch him. He has risen from the dead. Gets up. <sighs> Looks around. Doesn't, uh, I don't know what he's aware of about his body, but he sure does feel good. He's just been raised from the dead. He was dead. As this book, dead. Dead as this table. And his little toe wiggles and his finger moves and his eyelashes go wide. And, and he breathes and he gets up and he's alive and he walks out of the tomb. Wow. And that living Christ, raised from the dead, went on a preaching tour. Lord, aren't you sick of this place? Why don't you go ahead and go to heaven? Go home. But for 40 days, he talked about something that mattered. Is, is your suspicion enough to believe that what he said in those 40 days might have been something worth living and dying for and seeking first before anything else? Yes. Well, okay. For 40 days, read it in the book of Acts, first verses. By the way, Luke wrote, wrote Luke, you know, and Luke wrote Acts, and in the, in the 17th chapter of Luke, he was talking about that thing that would happen uh, when the promise of the Father came to them and uh, the great harvest would begin. And uh, I, I asked him, I, I said, Lord, you preached for 40 days on the kingdom? What'd you say? Do you have the, uh, is that in the archives? Do you have ta tapes or USBs or, or whatever? What he said, son, here's what I talked about. Read the red. I didn't ask, I didn't mean need to ask him about what that meant. He said, I, 154 times in all the, in the, all the Gospels, he used the word Kingdom. He mentioned the church three times. Now, I don't mean to disparage the church, but the church is not the kingdom, never will be, and the kingdom is not the church and never will be. The church is to the kingdom what a part is to a whole, a very important part, but when it thinks it's the most important, it loses the most important whole. There is the kingdom of God. Are you with me? We will discover. Look at this. I did, I did not do this. My publisher did this. I had a nice inoffensive uh, a little under, uh, under the title, subtitle. They sent back and said, we don't want that one. Here's what we want. Restoring the kingdom, igniting the awakening. Look at me. This is what I believe. The preaching and study and seeking of the kingdom of God will soon bring us into a revival and awakening as we seek God's rule and God's righteousness 
all these things added to us will mean that revival comes and salvation comes to the world. And so, here is the schedule. The resurrection of Jesus. The preaching of Jesus for 40 days on the kingdom of God. And then coming back to deal with this, with a crazy eschatology. Well, I don't care what you believe about when Jesus comes. I don't, I don't care whether you're a pre, a post, or an R, or a treetop. I don't care. I stopped the program committee. I got off a long time ago and got on the welcoming committee and have been happier ever since. I don't care what he does when he comes. I'm a pro. Millennial. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I'm for it. And Jesus said, it is not for you to know. I, I think that's so cute. If it had been me, I'd have said, that's none of your blanket business. What is your business is, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall be filled with power and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Listen to me now. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus gives this promise in the midst of questions regarding eschatology. He says, this is what you uh, will find important. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel adorned with the crowning aspect of the rule of God over a salvation that's real. The rule of God in one's life. I wasn't taught about the rule of God in, in preparing in college for the ministry, seminary. I wasn't taught about the rule of God or the prominence of the power of Christ, the lordship of Christ. I wasn't taught. I had been saved in the atonement from my sins, but I had not been saved from myself. And when Jesus was recognized through the Holy Spirit as being my new life, I began to allow him I began to allow him to have his life through me. And that, folk, that's, that's going to happen. In your adding, in your arithmetic, keep in mind that when you turn things over to the Lord, he's going to get things in order. It's going to be one, two, three, four. It's going to be believing the kingdom, preaching the kingdom, seeking the kingdom, finding the kingdom, sharing the kingdom, living the kingdom, worshiping the God of the kingdom, crowning the Christ of the kingdom, living the kingdom life, begin to spread the love of God that is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. And you know what? You're looking at me saying, yeah, I, I, I've got the message. I've got it. Well, I have too, but just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. I almost ache in pain for how little I know about this wonderful God who totally knows and totally loves and totally reels uh, and totally receives me and totally rules. I love this God. I want to know him better. I want to have passion for him. I, I, I want to I get over my personality. I've always had a personality about like a carrot. And 
I just don't see myself as an exciting person. I, I want I want to be exciting. I I want to be a you know. I, and 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 God's going to make you. Listen. I want to talk to you in the morning about love. I, 80, 84. At 84, I'm 85, nearly 86 now. I found out about love. I found out about love. I found out I was trying to love God wrong. I'm trying to love Him with my love. He said, I don't want your love first. Why do you love me? Oh, I knew the answer to that. Because you first loved me right. God says, you know, you know about your love? It's in and out, hot and cold, up and down, and highly conditional. That's not true of my love. What I'm looking for in you is the love that you have received from me that has equipped you to love me back. I'll enlarge on that tomorrow. I believe we, I, I believe we ought to do a couple of things now. I've taken more time than I generally allow myself. But I've pretty well liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just forgive yourself for needing to leave early. And stay as long as you can because God's going to do some, some things. We're going to pray for for Jay, pray for his family. Y'all are going to come with him. We're going to pray. Uh, and those who know them and know where they're going, uh, where he's going on Tuesday morning early, going to Naga land. All I knew about Naga was Hyde. <laughs> but I've read that book, and it conquered me. It absolutely conquered He will come back a different man. Yep. He will come back with a message yep. that the world will hear and it will change the way they think about missions and about what's going on in the world. So we're going to have several people praying for him. I want those who want to be prayed for just, just to come and, and, and stand here. And uh, you, you know who you are. You're not saying, hey, if you have to check with yourself before you come, guess what? Got your eyes on the wrong, on the wrong person. Stand up with me, please. I've got, I've got plenty of time. I am an old man, but I'm in good shape for an old man. I go see my doctor just for the fun of it. And uh, just ask him, doctor, I plan to live 100. Is, are all systems working? He said, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And... Uh, so I've got time. We've got time to pray. I'm first going to pray with those who want to pray with Jay and the family. Come on, uh, Kelly. I'll stand right there. I want those who are going to pray with him. Probably get help if you just get on your knees. And those who have a heart to pray for them, gather around them and pray. And when you're through, you can join us in prayer for others. But I want those who want prayer tonight to come and stand right here. Just come and stand right here. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Billy, would you come and help me pray for these? And I'll be with you all in a little bit. And we want some people just to come. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I don't uh, 
try to make people fall. But you know why people fall? Because you can't stand up. You know why people laugh? They just heard something funny. Yeah. So God's going to meet you need Frida. You come and pray with me for these, okay? And uh, if somebody is about to fall in front of you, just help them fall without hurting. Okay? Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, across this crowd right now, let there settle a blanket of certainty that what is about to happen matters and will matter for the rest of their lives. I thank you that you start with the hardest thing, with the thing that has tormented us the most and the longest. And you'll settle that, and faith will cause it to be more rapid on the next one, and the next one, and the next one, until we can breathe as deeply as our breath can go in our lungs, and then breathe out again, and breathe in, and breathe out, and breathe the freedom. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, let this be a, a night of remodeled brains, remodeled bodies, injuries fixed. In Jesus' name. Now let's just, uh, Pastor, whoever you use to pray will join us. And it'll not be confusing, but it'll be all right if somebody gets prayed for twice. I won't hurt. So call your prayer warriors in and, and we'll touch these. Just come on in and start praying right now. Yeah, that's right. Donna, Frida, Wisdom, wisdom, understand. 